This episode of She Explorers is brought to you by Merrill. Merrill exists to give you all you need to discover the simple yet profound power of the trail. They believe the trail is for everybody and everybody. Merrill's goal is to provide thoughtfully designed, rigorously tested products that over-deliver on performance, versatility, and durability. Because when you've got air in your lungs and good shoes on your feet, you've got everything you need. Stay tuned for later in the episode. We'll talk with Nicole Brown, founder of Women Who Hike, about the big hike she has planned this summer. Learn more at Merrill.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. One of my friends told me to, like, be the role model that you needed, but also to be the role model that you still need right now, today. And that has also been something that I think about all the time. This is Sam Ortiz, a woman who just a few years ago wouldn't have seen herself climbing or mountaineering or modeling. But with the right mentors and a willingness to push herself, she ultimately became the role model she needed to see for herself. Before she knew it, Sam's path found her. So I grew up in Kentucky near this place called the Red River Gorge. It's a really beautiful place. They have hiking trails there. They also have a lot of rock climbing there. And so I grew up there for most of my life. And I spent, you know, a fair amount of time going there and doing like little trails at the Red River Gorge. But it wasn't really a part of my life, and I didn't really feel like I belonged there necessarily whenever I would go. And so it wasn't until after college, when I moved away to Alaska, that I actually started getting into the outdoors. I always loved it, but it just didn't seem like it was for me, you know? And I think a lot of people have also echoed that same sentiment that I have like talked to or heard on your podcast or have met online. You know, people just don't think that the outdoors is for them. Sam's right. I've heard from a lot of people who didn't feel like the outdoors is for them. Maybe they grew up in a city. Maybe they were made to feel afraid or intimidated by others. Maybe the definition of the outdoors in popular media didn't line up with how their culture defines it. Maybe, oh, there's a lot of maybes here. But I want to focus on the fact that these reasons aren't always grounded in what is actually possible for that person. But the facts are real. That feeling that the outdoors isn't for me is real and true until it isn't anymore. With me, Sam didn't disclose her reasons for not feeling like climbing and other traditional outdoor activities were for her until a bit later in our conversation. So I want to honor that here, too. For now, we can sit with the fact that these spaces fell out of reach, but at the same time held an appeal. Even though I'd never been in big mountains, I always was drawn to them. You know, like other people wanted to go on vacation to the beach, and I was never interested in that. I was always like, oh, look at this cabin in the woods, in the mountains. Um, I think the the small bits of hiking that I did in Kentucky in the Red River Gorge, when I would do them, and probably the reason that I kept doing them and the reason that I probably chose to move to Alaska was because I feel like I felt like I was my best self whenever I did those, you know, I was like happy and I felt good moving my body and, you know, breathing the fresh air. And I also felt strong, you know, like 
you can be far away and look at the top of something and that's where you're headed and it seems crazy far or like really high up to like climb up and even in Kentucky there aren't things that are really high up like comparatively now but then it seemed like there were so it would like seem insurmountable but then I would do it and eventually I would get to the top of this you know whatever thing and it made me feel really like capable and very strong and so I think it was that like that feeling that I really loved and enjoyed and was chasing after that feeling brought Sam to Alaska. So I moved to Alaska, to Juneau, Alaska specifically, to do an AmeriCorps program there. And I mean, there you were just surrounded by wilderness. The house that I was living in is like literally built on the side of a mountain. And then there are no roads in or out of Juneau. You have to either fly in or take a ferry from another city. And so it's like pretty isolated. You know, you can't just like drive away for the day. It doesn't work like that. And it's just lots of wilderness around you and water and mountains. And and I think I chose to move there for that reason. You know, I was always drawn to the outdoors, but I wasn't always surrounded by other people who were drawn to the outdoors. And so I feel like I'd be like, let's go hiking. And other people would be like, oh, I don't really feel like it. Um, and so then we would do something else instead. And so whenever I moved to Alaska, like, Everyone there that I knew or met or hung out with was interested in the outdoors and was even way more experienced at it than I was. And so I really started expanding my comfort zone there a lot. You know, I went backpacking for the first time and I did a lot more hiking than I'd ever done before, but still not nearly as much as like the people who (laughs) lived there and were like very into it. Not nearly as much hiking as I do now. And it was, like, really, like, I was nervous about it all the time because I was like, wow, I don't know anything, and, like, I don't know what I'm doing. That can be a pretty lonely way to feel when it comes to taking on new outdoor opportunities. Luckily, Sam had a friend. And I had a friend um, who's in my AmeriCorps program, and she would, like, get us geared so that we could go backpacking. She would borrow gear and she would like teach us things and tell us what to wear and tell us what not to wear. And I feel like thanks to her, like she really like held my hand and another friend and I, she held our hands while she like taught us how to be outdoor women, basically. You know, we went on like a, like a backcountry kayaking trip and you know, all of these things that I wouldn't have been able to do by myself just jumping in. Um, She really like helped us along and, you know, was patient enough to teach us. And I feel like I owe a lot of my outdoor success to, like, her laying that foundation. What's her name? Her name is Maya, Maya Wolf. <laughs> That's a great name. It's a wonderful name. Yeah, and she's she still lives in Alaska. She does all things outdoors. She's a guide. She does, like, kayaking trips and all of these other things. So she was a really, really wonderful, like, and knowledgeable human to, like, help walk me through those beginning stages. Maya was a mentor for Sam when she needed her, when she was still figuring out what it meant for her to be a woman in the outdoors. There's a special kind of generosity in this, being the friend who's willing to slow down a bit to teach. Soon, Sam felt ready to take on a bigger challenge. So I spent about a year living in Juneau. And then there was this one mountain there, it's called Mount Juno, that 
was like hanging over my head the whole time I was there. My friends would hike up it and, you know, I would get invited along, but it seemed like really steep to me and like really tall. And I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to finish it or do it or that I would go like way too slow or whatever. And so I would always say no. And um, it wasn't until my last week there that my sister came to visit for like my last week so we could hang out and spend it together. My sister and I have birthdays that are really close to one another. And so we like to spend our birthday together. And whenever she came, I was like, okay, this is my last chance. I have like this human that I love and adore and who will wait for me if I'm slow. Um, And I had my best friend with me as well. So the three of us decided to do it. And we walked up the mountain and it was definitely steep, you know, in parts. And but it's not very long. And like comparatively now, I've done things very similar to that mountain with ease um, after I've been hiking a lot more in my life. But at that point in time, I feel like it was this huge moment for me where I thought that I couldn't finish this thing. And then I did. And it wasn't that hard, you know. And <laughs> I'm an emotional person, so I'm totally going to start crying. But um, okay. I feel like that was... Uh, like a shift in my life where I realized that I could do hard things you know and that even if I was maybe going to be slower than somebody else who's used to it that that wasn't like a reason to not do it and I feel like I have tried to carry that out in the rest of my life since then it's been gosh maybe like five years now um (laughs) and That, like, shift has made all of the difference in my life, both in the outdoors and the activities that I've pursued in the outdoors since then, like rock climbing and mountaineering, um, but also just, like, in my regular life, you know, like, if something is hard, there's this quote, and of course it's probably, like, a cliche quote, but it, like, really spoke to me, where, like, if something's going to take a long time, you should do it anyway because the days will pass anyway. Mm-hmm. And that has like, those things have really shifted and shaped what I've pursued and how I've pursued things. And, you know, the things that I am maybe terrified of taking on, but I want to do them. So I do it anyway. Mount Juno was a turning point in Sam's life. In being awakened to the fact that she can do hard things, When she moved down to her current home in Washington, she decided to try something that always felt out of reach, something that was the epitome of doing the hard thing. One of the other things that I started doing was after I moved to Washington, which is where I live now, I started rock climbing. And I am very, 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 very afraid of heights. So it doesn't seem like rock climbing should be like the sport for me. And I think also when I tell people that I I rock climb and that I'm afraid of heights, they think I'm like lying to them or that I'm like fake afraid of heights or like not really afraid of heights, but I am. And, but it was one of those things that I really wanted to do that I thought I couldn't do. And after, you know, that shift in my like, wow, I can do hard things perspective I was like well I might as well try it you know and so I started this tiny little wall at the YMCA Mm -hmm. and it took me 
so long <laughs> to get up that wall. It's like super short. I have no idea how many feet tall it is, but I would like clip in and then I would go up like two moves and freeze. Mm-hmm. And my hands were shaking and like they're sweaty and it's hard to hold on to things with like shaky, sweaty hands. Um, <laughs> and so then I would like come back down and I'd try again. And I was going with a friend and we would, you know, just go to the gym at the Y. And so every time we went, I would try to go up the wall again. And I like inched my way up after many visits. I was like, okay, this time I'm going to get to the middle of the wall, you know, and I'd go a little bit higher and then get terrified or or whatever, but eventually I made it up to the top of the wall. And then I started climbing there more often, because again, I was like, wow, that was a hard thing, but I did it, and it's okay. You know, like I failed who knows how many times before I actually got to the top of that wall, but I did it. And so it was just like another check in the box of like, wow, you can do hard things even if you fail first, you know, or even if you try and it doesn't work out. And so I really loved that feeling, you know, I feel like it was, that feeling of being strong again, of like accomplishing this hard thing, especially if I couldn't accomplish it the first time I tried. And so after that, I started climbing, rock climbing a lot more. Um, so I moved from the little tiny rock wall at the, at the YMCA and I, you know, I got a membership to the climbing gym instead. And then I also joined a class to learn how to like climb outdoors go sport climbing because I was like this is really fun and I want to do it outside because I love being outside and so why not you know like marry those two things together and do both at once um and I feel like that was the best decision I could have made I was terrified for the class as well this is a theme that I'm like scared of doing things (laughs) and I like feel really anxious before I do them but then they're good things and they're things that I want to do, you know. And so I took this sport climbing class and I learned how to climb outdoors and how to lead climb, which is basically like you take the rope up as you go. There are no top ropes outside, right? And so there are like bolts in the wall that you like clip into um, as you're going up. And then it like opens up all of these places that you can go climbing, you know. Um, In Washington, there are a whole bunch of places. Also in the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, there are like crazy, beautiful, amazing rock climbs there um, that I never did when I lived there because I was too afraid or didn't feel comfortable or didn't feel welcome or whatever. (laughs) And mountaineering followed after that. Sam has a great laugh, doesn't she? We'll hear more from Sam after this. Meryl exists to give you all you need to discover the simple yet profound power of the trail. I caught up with Nicole Brown, an ambassador of Meryl and the founder of Women Who Hike, about what she has planned for the summer. So I am looking forward to doing some backpacking this summer, maybe getting back to Utah and to the Northwest. But the biggest thing on my calendar this year is the High Sierra Trail, 72 miles of backpacking that actually ends on Mount Whitney. And it will be my longest backpacking trip yet, seven, eight days in the backcountry. I also asked Nicole what Meryl's shoes she's excited about, and boy, did she deliver. 
So I want to say that everything in the lineup at Merrill has been getting better and better, especially for women. Uh, We've been with Merrill since 2016 now when they first started their women's initiative. And it's been amazing to see the progression in the line. But right now and for summer, you can't go wrong with the MQM, which is sort of a do-it-all shoe. It actually stands for moving quickly in the mountains. That's what I will be wearing on the High Sierra Trail. The new Hydro Hiker is awesome. It's called the Chop Rock. I just recently had those in Utah. And I'm also really excited about the new Ontario 85, which is a recreate of a vintage shoe that I've been wearing. But now it's packed full of all the technology and performance that I would want in a hiker. Stay tuned for more stories with Merrill this summer. And to learn more in the meantime, visit Merrill.com. That's M-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. We're back. Like once you learn how to sport climb, I feel like the next step is like multi-pitch climbing. And then you get to these heights on these rocks that you never get to see otherwise, you know? For me, it's about like access, like accessing things that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. Sam is talking about how learning different modes of climbing have helped her access different places, which draws an app parallel. And you're now helping other people access these outdoor activities too yeah so I've been in the outdoors for about five years now but it's only been the past maybe year that I've really started like reflecting on my outdoor experience and I've realized through that reflection a whole lot of things and a whole lot of things that have held me back um, so like in the Red River Gorge, when where I grew up in Kentucky, I had been invited to climb multiple times by people. Um, and I always said no, even though I was like interested in it and I love the outdoors, um, I always turned them down. And again, with the with the hike Mount Juno, people would invite me and I would turn them down. And so in the last year, I've been reflecting on that and I've realized I think that, like, the reasons that I was saying no, I don't think I realized them in the moment, but I realize them now looking back, that I didn't see people who looked like me, you know, going rock climbing or doing mountaineering. You know, I'm a plus-size Hispanic woman, and very, very often these spaces are dominated by very thin, athletic people or white people or both, right, Um, because they are more dominantly portrayed in, you know, advertising and media and all of these things. And so I think if I had had role models, maybe I wouldn't have been so hesitant to try these things that I'd wanted to do for so long, you know. And, and so once I realized that, I realized that I could be a role model, I guess. One of my friends told me to like be the role model that you needed, but also to be the role model that you still need right now, today. And that has also been something that I think about all the time, is that if there aren't any role models, and I am one of the only ones, like, should I use, should I use that and start sharing more of it? So yeah, I, I have an Instagram page where I share, you know, pictures of 
me climbing or hiking or mountaineering or whatever. And it started out as being, I'm into photography and it started out just being like my photography page. And then, but then whenever I would post a picture of me, people like really resonated with it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's weird. And then (laughs) I would like post more pretty pictures of, you know, like mountain landscapes. And then I'd post a picture of me. And again, that one would be like the one that really (laughs) resonated with people. And so I started, I guess, just like by trial and error, I was like, wow, like people need this because I need this. I still need this. And I definitely needed it before. But people were also just like straight up telling me, they're like, wow, I had never like seen someone who was my size doing this. I didn't know people like me could do this. And they would like tell me like, hey, I, you know, I tried rock climbing for the first time after I saw your photo. Those things have hit me so hard. You know, I didn't realize that I could be that role model for people until it already had started happening. Just two episodes after my conversation with Cindy Villasenor, I'm reminded of the quote from Murder Valeria once more. The one that says, you never know how you might be reaching people. Maya was an adventure mentor for Sam. Sam is an adventure role model for others. And now Sam is on a mission to make climbing more accessible for plus-size folks. One of the things that I'm working on right now, I'm like in the middle of, is I asked my rock climbing gym to get more plus size harnesses. And so they have three that will fit someone who's over a size like, I don't know, like 14 or something. And most of the U.S. population is over a size 14 or size 16. I think it's like 60% or something, Um, which means that most of their harnesses don't fit most people, which is kind of a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to start taking plus size people, women in particular, climbing. Climbing is really intimidating, even for like, for probably most people, I think climbing can be really intimidating, but especially for somebody if they're plus size. Um, one of my biggest fears whenever I first started climbing, whenever I like first walked up to that rock wall was whether or not a harness was going to fit me you know, and, um, I've talked about that on my social media and I've gotten so many people who have either commented or messaged me directly and told me that that has been their experience as well, or that they've tried to go rock climbing and that the harness didn't fit them and that they've never gone back since then because they didn't feel like they were welcome anymore, you know, and they were embarrassed or ashamed. And so, all of these people telling me, you know, these fears about harnesses and these fears about like not being able to rock climb made me think like, well, how about I take it into my own hands and like teach them. I am a plus size woman who's a climber and I've already gone through all of these barriers that I think a lot of them are experiencing. And so why not, you know, like walk with them in their beginning stages the same way that my friend walked with me in my beginning stages of the outdoors. So my harness Sorry, my gym. My gym is getting the harnesses in today, literally today. Um, So they're going to have 10 plus size harnesses. Wow. (laughs) They're 62 inches in diameter. And I like used a sizing chart to try to do the, you know, like the comparison. Um, And so they should fit about a 6X, up to a 6X. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. 
just having harnesses that fit a person up to a 6x is like only one barrier and like oh like inspiring other plus size people to try rock climbing um but it's one barrier that like now hopefully is like knocked down and we can move on to the rest of them um so I'm gonna host like a plus size climbing meetup at my gym and I've been like posting about it on my social media and I am part of a group called Pacific Northwest Outdoor Women and so I'm like hosting it through them and they have like a large following of people so that I can personally try to help other people start rock climbing. Sam shared with me some of the fears unique to plus size people when it comes to climbing. Will the harness fit me is the first fear and will the rope hold me is the second fear or will my belayer be able to hold me? Um, and then after you get past those things, and those are things that I think straight size people maybe never have to worry about. Like maybe they've never even thought about it, you know, but it's something that plus size people have to think about a lot. You know, they have to think about like, will this clothing store even have clothes that fits me or will I be able to fit in this chair or a lot of things that are part of like everyday life, um, just aren't made for plus size people. And so after you get past those, you know, like harness and rope barriers, I think all the rest of the the barriers to climbing come Mm -hmm. into play, you know, like, can I pull my body weight up and will I be able to do it? And will I fall and will I fail? And, you know, will people stare at me or look at me and will they be disappointed? Will I feel ashamed? You know, like that all of the rest of the things that come into climbing are still barriers too, you know? And so I'm hosting this event and the whole point is for it to be for plus size people so that, you know, there's a community there. It makes the, the climbing gym a little less intimidating. And then another plus size person to walk them through it to be like, yeah, you know, like this worked for me and maybe it'll work for you too. That, I think that's incredible. It's so exciting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I've heard from other people that sometimes, you know, being a role model can feel like a big responsibility. It's a lot. Yes. Of, you know, you have to think a lot more about how you portray yourself, how, what you're putting out there into the world. Like, how, how do you feel about that aspect of it? I feel a lot of responsibility to, like, do well, you know? I'm not a good climber by any means, even though I've been climbing for a few years now, like I do not progress in grades the way that some of my other friends do. Um, So I like, I took somebody climbing the other, the other night as like a practice run. I took one of my friends um, and like walked her through it the same way that I was like planning on walking this group of plus size women through things. And I only climbed like one route because one easy route because I didn't want her to see me fail, you know, like I didn't want to do a harder route and then not be able to do it. Whenever I was teaching this person, I was supposed to be the expert. And and I thought about it afterwards, like why I only climbed one route, you know, in the moment I was like, oh, just do this. And no, it's fine. I don't need to climb anymore. Um, but I thought about it later. And that's absolutely the reason why I didn't climb more is because I didn't want to do anything harder and not be able to do it you know I feel like it affects my credibility even though it doesn't really um, I felt like it did in the moment I've 
worked with a couple of companies now, REI and Eddie Bauer, and I have, you know, been a model for their plus size clothing. How cool and crazy is that? Five years ago, Sam had trepidation about climbing Mount Juno, and now she's a model for REI and Eddie Bauer. Getting up close to these brands has led her to start speaking up to companies. Now that I have like worked with some outdoor companies, I feel the responsibility to like keep advocating and perhaps to advocate even more for a wider range of clothing and then also for a wider range of gear. So like REI doesn't sell harnesses that will fit plus size people for the most part. And they have a smaller selection of plus size outdoor gear which is still an improvement from a couple of years ago when it seemed like no one had any plus size outdoor gear. But to like keep talking to them and to ask them, you know, like, hey, do you have this? And if you don't, why don't you have it? And if you don't have it, is there a way we can get it? And so like my next phase of advocating for plus size outdoor people is I would love to actually talk to some harness companies. You know, some of the major rock climbing harness companies like Black Diamond or Petzl or um, whatever and ask them about plus size harnesses. You know, you're not selling these and I'm curious why not. And there is a need for these harnesses. And so what what will it take to convince you to start making them? You know, I don't know all of the like science behind how much goes into like adding a few extra inches to a harness like do you have to change the material to handle more weight like I have no idea what goes into making a harness it could also be as simple as like literally adding a few inches to the end of their waist strap who knows (laughs) I don't know (laughs) but I would love to start talking to them about what it would take and if it is possible and if it's possible why they aren't doing it it feels like you've had such a an accelerated growth in certain ways, like since you kind of found <laughs> your voice and, and you described it when we first talked um, as your path finding you. So it's kind of put you on this fast forward in terms of the kind of advocacy that you want to do. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I feel like it has been a whirlwind. I feel like it's just been in the past maybe year that all of this has started coming together and all of a sudden all of these things are happening in my life and I'm still like blown away and I don't exactly know how to handle all of the things you know like working with outdoor companies is amazing and something that I never was expecting to happen and then like I've had some companies like send me some like free gear you know which is something that I also never was expecting to happen I got a box in the mail yesterday with like all of these clothes and new shoes and (laughs) (laughs) and I, I texted my partner and I was like I still don't understand like how this is real you know to have people listen to me or to like value my voice is like still very new and still something that I am struggling with kind of like they're they're all wonderful good great things but it's also like overwhelming at times you and I talked before about imposter syndrome and I think that I have been feeling that a lot throughout this whole course of everything I feel imposter syndrome you know even still rock climbing like 
because I'm not a good rock climber. But then especially for any of these people who are listening to me as like an expert, I'm like, wow, I don't feel like an expert. I don't know if I'm ready to be an expert, but here we are. So yeah, it's all happening <laughs> very fast. <laughs> the not feeling like an expert, the the feeling uncomfortable in the role that you're in, like a teeny bit uncomfortable. It's It kind of parallels, like you said, all that fear that you still <laughs> feel when you go out and do something. I know there was a, you wrote something about just jumping over a crevice, you know, and where there's that fear, like in that moment. But yes. after you do it, you feel feel better and there's like growth that comes from that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Jumping in here, Yes, this is a point that's been brought up on this podcast before. Fear can lead to growth. But it's a lesson we forget we're in the moment, and so I think it bears repeating. I feel like the discomfort has been teaching me how to deal with discomfort and other aspects of my life as well, you know? I feel like outdoor (laughs) metaphors are so cliche, (laughs) and yet I feel like they really apply to my life, you know? Like the whole, it takes one step at a time to get up to the top of a mountain, I feel like that, I use that in my life to remind me to take baby steps towards progress and things that I don't feel like are surmountable. Um, but also, yes, the, the like leaning into discomfort has already w- rewarded me in so many ways, you know, being vulnerable, even though it feels really weird and crazy to be vulnerable online or in interviews. Um, I think vulnerability and honesty is way more relatable than trying to be cool (laughs) or trying to like look like you have it all figured out. And so I'm trying to continue to do that, to lean in to the discomfort because you're right. It's an incredible opportunity for growth. Sam and I bonded when she heard on another She Explores episode that I'm an INFJ. I asked her how all the social aspects of her work make her feel. Sorry in advance for oversharing a bit on my end. Here's Sam. INFJ is like a Myers-Briggs personality type indicator. And so it, um, each of the letters means something. And so the first I stands for introvert. I am an introvert for sure. And, but one of the like dominant traits of an INFJ is that they are very people oriented but they're still an introvert. And I feel like that describes my life and my experience perfectly. Um, I get mistaken for an extrovert quite a bit, all the time. If I tell people I'm an introvert, they like try to argue with me. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, trust me. I know myself. (laughs) And I'm definitely an introvert who is people oriented. And I think that that is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, Very often, I feel like things would be a lot easier if I were an extrovert. Um, Having like an online presence with people like messaging me and talking to me and wanting to like plan meetups and hang out is really overwhelming for me. A lot of the time, I have to take breaks very often from it and like hang out by myself or like not answer comments or I'll respond to a bunch of people and then I'm exhausted at the end of it. And I just like go home and rest (laughs) at the end of the day. 
being an introvert has made me a little bit nervous for like these plus size climbing meetups that I'm going to do because they're going to happen at my gym. And I'm a little bit worried that after like I start bringing people to my gym and talking to them and meeting them that I'm never going to be able to go to the gym and have alone time again. And I'm really (laughs) scared of that. I'm nervous because, you know, gym time for me is normally very like introspective and personal and you know I will have you know goals or things that I want to accomplish and the best way for me to accomplish those things is by you know like really like existing in myself and in my head and focusing and so I'm a little bit nervous that people are going (laughs) to come talk to me all the time when I'm at the gym and I'm even more nervous that I might choose to not go to the gym if I don't want to people and so I don't I don't know if I should get another gym. <laughs> Maybe you could tell people about that. Like, hey, you know, this has been an amazing experience. It's so great to meet you. Uh, I'm always going to be happy to see you at the gym. The gym is where I do what you just said. You know, like this is where yes. I solve problems. This is where I have my me time. So if I don't respond as warmly or, you know, it just <laughs> means that I'm in the zone and I hope you can respect that. I love that. And I think that's a great idea. I do know though it's hard to set boundaries like I'm I'm such a people pleaser so I'll just let people walk all over me (laughs) Uh and I mean you're an INFJ as well yes and I feel like the same situation probably happens for you right your life like is interviewing strangers so it makes it seem like you really love to talk to people all the time all the time (laughs) I, I, and I love talk like you, like you just said, like there is this, I, I do love talking to people, learning about people. Um, I, I'm slowly creating boundaries for myself. So like, I love that I live in New Hampshire and I don't really disclose exactly where I live and um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very private person. So it is, it can be challenging, but um, yeah. it's also been for me, this show and this work has been my bridge to other people in a way that I wouldn't have had it otherwise. So where it's been often challenging for me to push myself to meet new people, especially in in group dynamics or social environments, this has been the way that I have been able to meet people like you. And I'm so grateful for it. Like, I I love talking to each and every person I get to chat with through this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) And also you get to like, you get to meet people, but also have the control, right? <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little bit. But I will, you know, if I have a day with a lot of interviews or, or just conversations, phone calls with my team, mm-hmm. um, I need, like, time just to walk and maybe listen to a podcast or maybe not listen to anything just to, yeah, to recharge and, and rest. If I have too much travel and stuff, I, I don't feel rested. So it's hard. Absolutely. I feel that, too. I live with my partner and my sister and they're very aware of like whenever I'm home very often I want alone time like I don't want to hang out (laughs) I don't want to talk to them I want to like sit alone in a dark room like I mentioned before all of these things that have been happening in the past year are really wonderful opportunities and experiences but I think part of them being overwhelming is that there is so much time with people involved and I process a lot whenever I'm by myself. You know, I don't 
whenever I'm with people, I'm just like taking in information the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I need that alone time to process. And so even with my close friends, but especially with people who I've connected with through some of these things, they'll, they'll want to hang out, you know, they'll be like, you love hiking, I love hiking, let's go hiking together. And while I love spending time with them and would love to be able to like give my time to everyone who I meet and think is an amazing person, most of the time, all I want to do is go hiking by myself <laughs> or with my partner so that it's not like an energy drain so that it can actually be like an energy boost instead um, so that I can come back to this, you know, like world that, and this community that I feel like I am building and entering and becoming a part of and like actually bring my full self to that. I need those days alone or days with minimal Mm -hmm. (laughs) human contact in order to like be a better person and be a more present person later for whenever I'm, connecting with people you mentioned that you didn't have role models people to look to you kind of become a role model yourself who who are some of the contemporaries or the people who you've kind of met through the work that you're doing now one of them is Jenny Brusso who is the founder of an Instagram page called Unlikely Hikers. And she's actually one of the people who has really helped me make connections in this world. So she runs this Instagram page and it wasn't intended for it to become a whole thing, uh, like a full-time job for her, but now it is. And so she leads hikes with people who feel like they haven't belonged in the outdoors as well. So she has been an amazing connection for me. Um, So she got me involved with REI and she's also the one who got me involved with Eddie Bauer. And um, so that has been one of the most amazing and rewarding connections for me because, you know, I feel like I see so much of myself in her and in all of the people that she's been working with as well. And then there are some other people who I've like, met online but I haven't (laughs) met in real life yet Myrna I think her last name is Valerio Mm -hmm. um she is a black woman who is plus size who is an ultra marathon runner and she is like my constant inspiration um there aren't many other plus size women of color athletes who have a presence and she's one of them who does and who is amazingly real and honest and inspiring and I feel like anytime I want like a pick-me-up I just like go to Myrna's page and like look at her being hilarious and real but also badass and striving for greatness and I'm like you know what if if Myrna can do it, I can do it too. <laughs> or do, you know, whatever it is that it is. I've also met some people in the area who are also like plus size adventurers. One of whom I met, we went to like an REI event about being plus size. And it was like everybody in the room was crying at some point. Like it's a very sensitive topic whenever you ask us like about how clothes fit, you know, like if if you're used to nothing fitting your body and having to like try on 30 pairs of pants before one actually works for you, it's a sensitive topic. Mm -hmm. And so she and I actually sat next to one another at this like event where we were talking about plus size clothing. 
and we like cried and we or at least I cried I don't know if she cried um, <laughs> and we like shared our own like thoughts and feelings and then later on I like connected with her online because she posted in a group that I follow and I was like wait a second we were sitting next to each other and she's like, Oh my gosh, we were. <laughs> and then she was like, wow, I'm already following you on Instagram. And I didn't realize that it was you and I was sitting <laughs> next to you, but I've been following you for a while. So she and I are friends now too. I really value like these like connections of other plus size women in this outdoor world. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Fat girls hiking is another like online thing that has been getting plus size women together and out together and letting them meet each other. I feel like there's, an incredible solidarity in being a plus size woman in the outdoors. I feel like anytime I see another woman who's plus size, I like, whenever I'm outside, I'm always like looking at her lovingly, (laughs) hoping that we'll get to talk to one another. Well, I'm really excited to see what you do in the next year, because I, I just like thinking about what you've done in the past year. <laughs> I'm sure you're excited to see what, what's next, too. But no pressure, right? <laughs> no, no pressure at all. You could do nothing for the next 12 months, and that would be totally fine. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens in the next year, too. Like you mentioned, part of my path, I feel like, has chosen me, and I... And I'm curious what will continue happening this year. You know, some of the things I am absolutely going to spearhead um, by choice, like this plus size climbing thing. But if other opportunities come up that could change <laughs> my focus, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what those are, too. Follow along with Sam on Instagram at Sam Ortiz photo. I'll link that and her gorgeous photography portfolio in the show notes. If her contemporaries Jenny Brusso and Myrna Valerio sound familiar, it's because they've been on past episodes of this show. I'll link those in the show notes too. Thanks to our sponsor, Merrill. Learn more via Merrill.com. If you enjoy this podcast, there are two easy ways to help support us. First, spread the word. You can do that by leaving a review where you listen or sharing the podcast with a friend. Both, I've heard, help a lot. (laughs) Second, join our She Explorers podcast Facebook group. It's my favorite place to connect with you all and come up with new episode ideas. Honestly, I've found so many new people through connecting with you through the Facebook group. It's also great to see you connect with each other and ask each other for outdoor advice and share in each other's triumphs and challenges. Music is by Liam McNally. Music is also by Lee Rosevere via the Free Music Archive. Our next episode is actually going to be out on Monday. It's a special episode covering the PGM1 Summit in Philadelphia, and it's going to be reported by Amanda Machado. I'm so excited for you to hear it. But until then, have fun out there. <laughs>